Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Jay Miller. Would you give God praise? It's so good. Uh, you were handed something a few minutes ago. You don't have to worry about that. Look at that right now. But uh, we always talk about we're going to activate and equip what we teach. And so part of it is it's not just hearing the gospel, hearing the word, but being doers of the word and providing you guys opportunities to be able to participate. So we're going to conclude today's service with an activation that we do a lot of times in some of our freedom ministry time. But what felt like the Lord says this is it's time for my people to really realize who they are in Christ. And there's too much of the world that's being, or the Christian world that is being identified by a person that Jesus paid for, right, that was actually crucified on the cross instead of being able to be reconciled with and, and coming into alignment with who Jesus actually is now, which is the resurrected one. And Miss B said it, as he is in this world, so are we to those who have been born again. So if you've been born again, say, I have. So as he is, so are you. And it's important for us to really step into the fullness of what Jesus paid for. He paid it all. When he hung on the cross, one of the most significant words or phrases he says is, it is finished. He did not have his life taken from him. He gave his life fully. The, the, the Romans did not kill him. The Jews did not kill him. The devil did not kill him. He gave his life for you, and he gave his spirit up to his father so that he could become sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in him. And it's time we step into uh, really understanding what it means to live like that. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to three passages of Scripture. Three passages. The first one's going to be 2 Corinthians 5.21. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And you can put a marker there. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Then flip over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Put a marker there. And then flip to the left and go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Just during worship today, I felt like the Lord was challenging me on the way that I was coming to him. He asked me, he said, son, are you wanting to receive me according to your terms or my terms? And I said, well, Lord, I didn't realize I was doing it on my terms, but it should be on your terms because you're the creator, you are the king, you're the Lord of all. It never should be on my terms. And he says, that's right. But there's still these elements of our lives that many times we approach him on our terms, we receive him on our terms, and that's not actually seeking the king and his kingdom. That's actually seeking our version of his kingdom and taking what we want from him and leaving on the throne what we don't want from him. Because if we actually leave on the throne what we don't want, we'll not actually be responsible for becoming what he is. Y'all okay? Okay. Y'all look at me like stunned silence all of a sudden. Like it, it, this, this is the gospel. This is the basics of it. And he says this, I will always receive you as you are and where you're at. But you must receive me as I am and where I'm at. This is the gospel that we present to people. As we're going, we will find people in the streets. It doesn't matter the story that they have. No matter where they're at, he wants to meet people right 
where they're at, no matter how dark it is, how much light it is, how much they know about him or don't know about him, how much they've experienced abuse or they've given abuse. He's going to meet people right where they're at, but the exchange is this. I'm going to take what you've experienced and come into this place of the cross so that you can actually experience who I am. There has to be a divine exchange. We have to come to him on his terms, not our terms. So the question is this, is how do we access everything that Jesus paid for? What was included in your inheritance? When Jesus came, the problem he came to fix was not fixing bad behavior, but instead restoring the wholeness that humanity had lost by being disconnected from God through sin. He didn't come to fix your bad behavior. And when the church screams at the world and says, you're acting badly, you're behaving badly, stop being bad, the world goes, what? That's not the gospel. The gospel is this, to the world who's lost and hurting, there's a reason the world is in sin. There's a reason the world's in darkness. It does not know him. Because if it knew him, if they knew him, light would enter in and everything would be transformed. Imagine the moment when you first met Jesus and suddenly the darkness of your heart was enlightened by the love of his grace. And it transformed you like this. Not that your experience of life all of a sudden got suddenly better, but there was something inside of you, you finally felt the meaning of life. It was such a blessing on Thursday. We, we participated in a, in a group that had a Seder dinner on Thursday night, and there was, a, there was a, a Chinese national who had come to the United States, and he said this, I came, people asked me, why did you leave your home? Because I wanted to find out the meaning of life. And he was not a believer. He came to the States, and some of our people here uh, began to minister to him and share the gospel with him. And he became born again recently. And all of a sudden, he says this, I discovered the meaning of life. He says, my heart is to go back to my home and tell them, I have found the meaning of life, and his name is Jesus. That's to transform life. That's what we have hope for, and that's what we have hope in. We have to understand that Jesus is doing something unique. Dan Moeller says it this way, Jesus didn't come because you're a sinner. He had to die because you were a sinner. But he came to restore you to your created value. Jesus didn't come because you're a sinner. He had to die because you were a sinner. But he did come to restore your created value. So we have to understand what the fullness of Jesus is. So how do we access the salvation? I'm going to preach the gospel. Many of you are already born again, but we're going to preach it this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says this, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved and delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of the works or the fulfillment of the law's demands, lest anyone should boast. It's not the result of what anyone could possibly do, so that no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. You're saved by grace. It's the supernatural favor of God that comes upon you that empowers you to become him. And the same grace that you were saved by is the same grace you live by. And it's time for us to begin to live by the grace of God. We preach the gospel, be saved by grace. How about we continue that and say, and we will live by grace. 
God's empowering agent that lives inside of me. Why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, submitted to him? Because that is where the grace of God comes into your life so that you can become whom he created you to be. So you can love as he loves, as you can forgive the unforgivable. It's by his grace. Paul says this, it's not that I first loved him, but that he first loved what? I didn't even love him first. So how could I take credit for love? But when I receive the love of God, I rest in the love of God, I receive the grace of God, suddenly now I can enter into this kingdom realm that says this, I don't have the ability, but I can do all things through Christ who enables me inside me. As he is, so am I. Say it with me, as Jesus is, so am I. That should crush lies that say I'm not worthy. I'm a worm. Oh, it's prideful to say that God loves me. No, it's not. It's prideful to say he doesn't love you. He loves you so much. So let's talk about real quick what this word saved or sozo means. It means to be saved, healed, and set free. There's three components of salvation found in sozo. Number one would be this. To be saved means to be made whole in spirit, soul, and body. And I'm going to give you three passages of Scripture that are going to unpack this. The first one is this, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, which I just read for you. But in the King James, it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Let me hear you say, have been saved. There's a component of salvation where you've had an experience, and I've already experienced salvation, so have been saved. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed to destruction. But we who are being saved, not of works, I'm sorry, know of it is the very power of God. So let me hear you say, being saved. Well, wait a minute. I thought the first one says, I have been saved. What is this? I'm being saved. Well, we're going to unpack that in a second. And finally, 1 Corinthians 3.15 says this, but if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. Let me hear you say, we will be saved. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. What is this? This would be somebody that lived the entirety of their life. And at the very end, they give their life to Christ. And there's this part, they will be saved. See, there's something about this life that whenever you accept Jesus, you have to come into the fullness of a mystery. Let me hear you say mystery. It's really hard to get our human minds in this realm wrapped around the goodness of God. But there's something that says this, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, in that moment, your spirit was born again. The old is past, the new has come. The old sinner nature was actually dealt with on the cross of Christ. And in that moment, the resurrected nature of Jesus actually resurrected your body. It says the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave is the same spirit now that lives in you and gives life to your mortal body. There's something about the have been saved component. I've had this moment. My question for you is, have you been saved? Have you been saved? If you haven't been saved, today's the day to be saved. It's time to give your life fully to him and experience the life-giving love of Jesus that will transform you completely. But the journey of being a born-again believer is this of one of being saved. Let me hear you say being saved. What is that? It's, it's the term sanctification. It means this, the experience of becoming Jesus is on an ongoing basis. Day by day, 
I come into alignment of how I have been saved, but now my mind starts to think like the resurrected mind of Jesus. My emotions come into alignment with the resurrected Jesus, right? My experiences come into alignment with the resurrected Jesus. Everything that I am that doesn't experience the resurrection life is being saved in this moment, day by day, moment by moment. And this is why it's important to worship. This is why it's important to read the word and to pray, to be in discipleship and fellowship. This is how iron sharpens iron. What we're doing is we're not telling you, hey, if you'd start behaving better, Jesus might like you. That's not what discipleship is. Hey, if you just understood how much he loved you and has already transformed you and you came into alignment with who you are in him in heaven that has been saved already, then you would understand in this life you can begin to experience the fullness of salvation. But there is this mystery, there's this opponent. Everybody go ahead and just clap your hands real quick. Right? You, you've got this physical nature, you've got this flesh stuff that's still deteriorating on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Everybody has to come into alignment with understanding that you were born with a terminal illness. It may take 100 years, it may take 50 years, but at one point or another, your flesh is going to die. And what is this last one talking about, 1 Corinthians 15? You will be saved the moment that you pass to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Suddenly, in that moment, you see the fullness of your salvation. The old is past completely. You're complete in him, and you no longer have to deal with this flesh thing. So between now and then, what is it? I have to live in submission to this mystery that says this. I've been completely transformed, but I still act as if I didn't. I still have thoughts that are not transformed thoughts. I still have memories that are not coming underneath the transformation of Jesus. And so now there's this invitation of how do I experience, how do I access if Jesus paid it all? I'm no longer subject to something that happened to me when I'm five years old. I can actually bring it to the completed work of Jesus. And what he paid for will actually bring healing to my five-year-old heart. It doesn't wipe it away as if it never happened. You cannot go back and undo it. But what Jesus does is he redeems it. He takes everything the enemy meant for evil and he uses it for his good to where suddenly you trade in sorrow and you find joy. You take these ashes of that moment where it's this destruction. Like, how did God let that happen? And he goes, wait a minute, here comes the beauty. We put so much emphasis on, well, what about the bad thing? No, no, no. What does the beauty look like? What is he wanting to do inside of your heart right now? I think everyone in this room has at least one story where you go, I really wish that had not happened to me. And what I'm here to tell you is Jesus says, despite that thing happening to you, I happen to you. If you would just allow the salvation that I've paid for to enter into your life and put the thing that happened to you on the cross with me, you'll begin to experience resurrection life. This is where you see people, I've read numerous testimonies, where uh, there was somebody who had killed or murdered um, this man's daughter. And he was a born-again believer. And he met this man in the prison. He says, everything inside of me wanted to scream for, to kill this man. I wish I could have ripped him apart with my own hands. And he says, but I realized... But in Christ, that guy had died. And in this moment, yes, there needs to be justice in our legal system. But he says in that moment, this man did not know that he was going to have to face justice 
for eternity. And the Lord challenged me and said this, are you willing to lay aside your rage for the opportunity that this man might actually be fully redeemed in me because I paid for him? This is where it gets serious. And he says, I dealt with it and the grief I had for the passage of my daughter. I allowed the Holy Spirit to come and heal that part of my heart. And then he says this, then I suddenly saw that man's face. And he says, I fell in love with him. Because the love of God overcame his heart and he went into prison and he led this man to the Lord. And that man still was, uh, was executed for his crime. But here's the thing. He escaped through the flames. And there's eternity. See, we cannot come to God on our terms. We cannot preach the gospel on our terms. He is king. He is Lord of the all. You're not saved for your glory. You're saved for his glory and by his glory. You were created for glory. And it's time that we step into alignment. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So you have been saved. You are being saved and you will be saved. Philippians 3.21 says, he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power which he will bring everything under his control. So go ahead and open up the Romans chapter 8. I feel like the Lord says, you'll do a little bit of preaching, but he says, I want my word to preach today. So I'm going to read a lot more of the word and let the word speak to your heart. Romans chapter 8 says this, therefore there is now no condemnation at all for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as though it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for our sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are in accord, one accord with the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are in accord with the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself. Let me hear you say subject itself. Remember Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. You, you subject yourself. But one, I'll just read that verse again. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God because it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. This is not a charismatic thing versus a conservative theological position. This is the gospel. 
If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, through the body is, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you're living in accord with the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you're putting death to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. And if we are children, we are heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I would just say this, you need hope right now. Look at the glory that's coming and let that be greater than the trials you go through. Verse 19, for the eagerly awaiting creation waits for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from its slavery corruption and the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only that, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our body. For in hope we have been saved. But hope that is, not, that is seen is not really hope, for who hopes what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, through perseverance we wait eagerly for it. Now in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And these whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Once again, we're not saved for our own glory, but by and for his glory. What then shall we say to these things? For if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Flip over to Colossians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 13, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. This is the word of God. 
This is the word of life. Let it breathe life into you right now. Verse 13, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And although you were previously alienated and hostile in your attitude, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his body of flesh through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, was made a minister of. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake, and in my flesh I'm supplementing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions on behalf of his body, which is the church. I was made a minister of this church according to the commission from God granted to me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is the mystery which had been hidden from past ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to whom he willed to make known what the wealth of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles is. And this mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonish every person complete in Christ. I mean, you say complete in Christ. And it's for this purpose I labor, striving according to his power, which works within me. So let that sit. Holy Spirit, read it to us. Speak to your people. There's someone in the room this morning, you walked in here not knowing what it meant to be saved, and you've been struggling with it. You're hearing the gospel. Give up the struggle and receive him. Look at what it says in chapter 2. For I want you to know how struggle, great a struggle I have had in your behalf for those who are in Laodicea, for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, that they would attain, let me hear you say, attain, that they would attain to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Jesus Christ himself, in whom all things, treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden, and I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. Verse 6. Therefore, as you received Jesus Christ, the Lord, so walk in him, have been firmly rooted now, being built up in him, and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. See it that no one who takes you captive 
through philosophy and empty deception in accordance with human tradition, in accordance with the elementary principles of this world, rather than in accordance with Jesus himself. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over every ruler and authority. Verse 11, And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision performed without hands, and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in your wrongdoings and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven all of our wrongdoings, having canceled the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile towards us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross." And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. The Lord is bringing us into a mature understanding. When it says to be made complete in him, it's also translated perfect, be made perfect in him. And in our world, we've made perfection about how can I perform rather than maturity. Complete means being fully mature, fully grown up into him, lacking absolutely nothing. And this is what the Lord's presenting to you today. No matter where you're at in your walk, you're being saved. And the danger is this. I'm going to compare where I'm at in my being saved moment with somebody else who's still being saved. And it might be a saint, it might be a preacher, it might be somebody you see that they are just further along or they're deeper in the Lord with you, and you go, how could I possibly be mature or perfect because I can't be compared to them? No, 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 no. Your, your, your comparison is not with someone else. Your comparison was with Jesus. And he's drawn you into saying, this is who I made you to be. Hand it over. He will never force you, but he will always invite you to hand over Every part of your heart, every part of your life, every part of your devotion that belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. Because in him, you were made complete. There's no condemnation. We read that in Romans chapter 8. To those who belong to Christ Jesus, he lives in you. But I felt like the Lord says, today on Easter Sunday, resurrection 2023, there's about to be a revival and awakening. And he says, I'm first coming to my church and my bride, and I'm reminding them, I'm reminding you of how beautiful you are, how loved you are, how complete he wants to make you, how full of hope he's put himself inside of you, how powerful you are when you come into alignment with him. I hear the Lord say, I wasn't going to go there, but I just hear the Lord say, it's time to go to a higher way of thinking, and if you've been caught up in the politics of the world, it's time to lay that to the side and stop looking for political agendas to save the world. We have one political agenda, and that's the kingdom of God. Because when King Jesus shows up, every king will bow before him. Is that a political statement? Yes. Should we vote? Yes. But we do it from the heart and the position that I'm seeking him first above all else. When I sit across from somebody, we will see transformation, and we cannot settle for anything less than the fullness of what Jesus has paid for. 
Christ in you is the hope of glory. Say it. Christ in me is the hope of glory. The only hope this world has of the glory of God come full of the glory of God and actually cover the earth with the gospel going out. We've been looking for a reign and he's looking for a people who understand how to be reigned by God. Do you hear what I said? It's not going to be a flood like Noah again where he's going to cover the earth. It's going to be a flood of the blood of Jesus inside you that's been transformed you. And as we hit the streets, as we hit the nations, the world cannot stand back because this last verse said this, he made a public spectacle of the devil and all his demons. And those demons are trying to work overtime to confuse you to think that you don't actually have authority over them. It is finished. Let me hear you say, it's finished. If you've got something in your heart today that is not underneath the completed work of Christ, no, it's time to leave it on the cross. And it's time to receive the inheritance of all the saints which should be able to know with certainty the height, the depth, the width of the love of God for you. The love of God that secures you. The love of God that holds you for all of eternity. The love of God that will help you to walk through flames of fire. And even if you had to give your life for the gospel of Jesus, it's worth it. Do you hear what I'm saying? So here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and begin to make their way back up. And I'm just going to ask for some instrumental. Why don't you go ahead and take out your piece of paper that you were given. We're going to get practical. We're going to get real right now. This isn't about what your neighbor thinks of you. So don't look at their list. You look at your list. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit in a moment to guide you and make a list of things that Jesus paid for, but that you need to leave at the cross. Maybe it was sins. Maybe it was regrets. Maybe it was unforgiveness. Maybe it was a person that you really need to leave with Jesus and recognize you can't transform them, but Jesus can. Here's the dangers of this exercise. If you've already dealt with it, I don't want you giving me a list of old things that Jesus, you've already taken to Jesus. Like sometimes we, we get in trouble at church because we dig up the old, old things and go, oh yeah, I remember when I was like this, and I remember like this. Are you still in a subject to that? Well, no. Then don't write it down. Don't use the power of resurrection to, to resurrect an old sin, an old person. The question is now, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my heart? Is there anything in my mind? Is there anything in my will? Is there anything within me that's not into a full alignment with your completed work and you as my king? As I was laying in bed, and the Lord just began to come to me, and I began to say, I began to pull things out. He's like, no, that's been dealt with. That's been dealt with. Stop bringing up that. And I started to go, okay, Lord. I began to bring him in the revelation where it says this, come up here. He called us up higher. So maybe you've been walking with him for a long time and he's saying this, will you go higher? Are you willing once again to give fully all of you for all of him? 
So go ahead and pray right now. Holy Spirit. I just silence the voice of accusation from the enemy. I silence the voice of the enemy that would condemn you. But instead, Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. And like David, we say, search us, O God. Is there anything within us, our belief systems, things we've come into agreement, they're not in alignment with the completed work of Jesus? If you've jotted down some things, this isn't this is less about getting it on the paper and more about examination of the heart. And here's what we're gonna do is we're gonna take what you wrote on that paper. I like practical examples, and we're gonna receive communion this morning. And as we come up, we've actually got four stations so we can begin to move through fairly quickly but if you're really ready to let go then you're ready to take because this is going to be about hope and life and receiving the fullness of it and as you come up you're able just to let it shred and then take communion so every eye closed and every head bowed for a moment the night he was crucified, before he was crucified, he took the bread. It was a Seder meal, it was a Passover meal, and he says, this is my body, which will be lifted up for you, to be broken, to pay the penalty of sin, and to be able to redeem you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the third cup of the Passover, and he lifted it up and says, this is my blood the sign of the new covenant. It's what washes you clean white as snow. It's what redeems you completely. 
So Lord, right now, we just come before you and we honor what you did on the cross for us. So together we declare Jesus. Declare it with me, Jesus. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I give my life completely to you and receive your life in me. I choose today to live by the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to begin taking communion right now. When you're ready, we'll start here in the middle of sections. We'll come through. We'll get to the side sections here in a second because we have both come down the middle, have two rows, two lines, but then you can spread out pretty quickly because we have multiple. We receive your power. We receive everything about you. We know your word says that the Father was fully pleased to fully live in you. And we're filled the same. I thank you that it's your pleasure to fill us. So I just release that now, an impartation for a fresh infilling of your spirit. We don't have to wait for Pentecost. We start now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We are hungry for you. It is your kingdom coming and your will being done that will transform our world. And we come into alignment now. We surrender all, Lord God, so that we may bring all of you. I just declare right now, God, that there's a breaking of mindsets that held people back from being able to proclaim the fullness of Jesus. The body, the, the, the bride, to regret and shame and to powerlessness. I declare today it's broken because we're coming to alignment with the completed work of what you've done, Jesus. And I declare today, Lord God, that the power for resurrection that's still inside of us, the resurrection spirit is still inside of us. And we declare today, Lord God, that as your resurrection fills us and flows through us, Lord God, the resurrection life will begin to hit our city and our nation, Lord God, and the nations of the world. And we declare we will be a people who will bring the gospel of the kingdom everywhere we go, proclaiming and demonstrating your goodness and your love because you finished it. So we carry the completed work of Christ. So just have your way right now. I thank you right now that there's a grace falling on marriages. I thank you, Lord God, that you're so in love with your bride you're the same way, Lord God. I declare right now that the way the enemy has tried to downplay and destroy marriages, it's over now in the name of Jesus. And there's redemption coming now. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for your grace. Oh, Lord, I ask that right now, deposit inside of every child, teenager, and adult a knowing that they've encountered you today. A knowing that you love them. 
that you will complete what you finished. And we thank you that we're along for the journey. And we declare this right now in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people say, amen. Come on, give up a shout of praise to him. Come on. Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.